One of our favorite companies to work with is called Types and Symbols. A design company based out of Michigan, their mission is to repackage the message of Christ in the most beautiful and attractive way possible. With that, they are gearing up for the third printing of the best set of books I've personally ever owned. This five book collection is called The Conflict Beautiful. And the only real conflict here is whether you should buy it now or wait until the end of this episode. These five books, along with the Word of God, can completely change your understanding of God, of yourself, and of why we're even here. We like asking why. So why wait? Visit theconflictbeautiful.com now, and you can save $30 if you pre-order before June 4. And I had never felt like death. Mm. Like there's there's times where I used to say when I was younger and even a little older and you see, you know, people die and and you're thinking like, why didn't they just fight? Like, mm. why didn't didn't they want to live? Right. You know, people are crying. Family members are crying around them. And don't you want to live? Like, just pull through. And it was the first time that I actually understood I get why people give up. Mm. I get why they just say, they just die. And it's not because they're depressed or anything like that, or they don't want, your body gets so weak and so tired to where you just can't anymore. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. Choosing guests for this show isn't easy. Sure, someone can be a big-name speaker and have years of experience in the worlds of preaching and teaching, but that doesn't necessarily mean they can sit down and have a good, frank conversation on a deep level. It's not every day I come across someone and say, now that's a person I want to have on the Why They Did That podcast. But the moment I met Calandra Williams, I added her straight to that list. Calandra graduated from Oakwood University and Tennessee State University, and she's what I would call a mental health expert. She wouldn't call herself that though, but that's why I do the introductions and the guests don't. She's married to Trey Williams, who you likely don't know but will know very soon, and has two of the most wonderful children I've ever met bossing their way through high school. Of course, you don't get to be an educator, a mom, and a wife without experiencing a few ups and downs in life. And our character in discussion today is more than familiar with the hills and the valleys. The office of prophet may seem, from the outside, appealing. Used by God, spoken through by God. You might even get your name immortalized through a book in scripture. The prophets were always, well, almost always, looking at you, Balaam, solid individuals of high moral character, great piety, and incredibly talented individuals. They were known not merely for their actual prophecies, but also for their ability to pen those prophecies in Hebrew prose with such style and craft that the reader could not help but acknowledge the voice of the Divine One. That was rarely the case. Prophets would not be modern-day celebrities now, they'd be cancelled. They'd be thrown out as heretics, conspiracy theorists, religious nutjobs, and psychopathic schizophrenics. Chief of those would be Elijah. Known for his striking words and fiercely bold prophetic utterances meant that he stood apart from all. It's a lonely walk. And sometimes, sometimes, 
just feels like it's all too much. We're in 1 Kings 19, picking up in verse 4. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when we think of Elijah, right. he's a prophet that performed so many miracles. Mm-hmm. God used him in, in numerous ways to help the children of Israel, or at least try to at least. Um, and he had such a heart for Israel. Right. He, I mean, it, it, he cried, I think, at times, probably over Israel. I don't know if the Bible says that, but, you know, in, in some studies and other authors that have written about this occasion, you know, to where he just, he really mourned mm-hmm. and was wanting them to repent. And so to think that now he's asking God to take his life, mm-hmm. how did he get there? So um, I I think that this is definitely worth looking into. And I think of it, too, because sometimes as a church, we shun talking about mental health, Mm. you know, and here we actually see this man is depressed at the point to where he wants his life to be taken from him. Yeah. How did he end up here? And it's important to remember as well that like when, when we when we look through the scriptures, I feel like sometimes you read things and you think, oh, okay, that happened. And you just kind of, you move on. Yes. You, you gloss over it almost as if, as if they weren't real. Yes. As if, if this was a real person, then I'd really care. It's like, no, just because he lived thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that he wasn't real. And just because it was thousands of years ago, doesn't mean that God's people didn't feel like that. That's right. You know, it, th- there's, there's a lot of, this going around nowadays yes suicidal ideations and um the numbers i mean even just in the united states of america the amount of people that are actually taking their own life is it's at a record high but it's not new that's right and we have a prophet here one of like the prophets like in the in the hall of fame of prophets (laughs) definitely elijah's there but at this moment He's in a dark place. Mm. And the Bible doesn't gloss over that. It treats it rightly, that he's a he's a real person that needs real help. That's right. That's right. And that's what I love about the Word of God. Mm. You know, it, it, it shows, it reveals the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. And so, um, so looking, if we were to go back into chapter 18, where Elijah is at Mount Carmel. Mm. All right. We have this showdown. That's what I like to call it, you know, um, to where even earlier in the chapter, you know, we know that Israel, well, if anyone knows Israel, (laughs) she is going back and forth, you know, backsliding, repent, Lord, we will do what you will have us to do. And then next thing we know, idolatry. Right. Right. And so, you know, Elijah is seeing all of this and he actually asked the Lord, you know, hey, you know, what are we going to do, you know, to discipline your people to get their attention? So they're in a drought. Okay. I think for about three years it was. I don't tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it was about three years or so. And so finally that time passes and we come to this point to where the Lord is like, okay, you know, let's handle this, Mm -hmm. you know, go to King Ahab. And he went in there fearlessly because usually you had to be summoned. Mm -hmm. And so we know it was the spirit of God working in Elijah to give him that boldness to say, okay, where's the king through there? All right, I'm coming in. And to say, all right, let's meet. Let's have this showdown here at Mount Carmel. This is the the final boss battle, if you will. Yes. Like everything has been leading to this moment. That's right. That's right. And and um and so and I think it is worth saying that we have to make sure that God advises us to have those moments. Mm. Sometimes we can rush into those prematurely. I know with me, like, you know, I'm going to go and tell so-and-so, God didn't tell you to do that. Sit down, you know, and wait. (laughs) So, you know, God actually directs him. Go. It's Mm. time. It is time. 
And you can imagine that Elijah thinks the same thing. Or perhaps in his eagerness to prove God right, he thought it was time, time ago. And so we head to Mount Carmel to see one of the greatest displays of God's power. A display that you could just imagine that Elijah is itching to witness himself. He says, listen, you know, try to uh, cause fire to come down and consume, you know, this sacrifice. And they go into all of these theatrics and mm -hmm. the dancing and the cutting themselves. And, and we know how the story goes. You know, he gives them their time. And I don't even know, I guess some people may say it's okay to taunt people. Sometimes we get on children when they taunt. Don't, don't do that. But Elijah was taunting them. He said, oh, scream a little louder. You know, he's making fun of them, being sarcastic and giving them their moment and even watching to make sure that no one is lighting the sacrifice. Um, they're cheating unadvisedly. So anyhow, they have their moment. And then Elijah says, you know, you're finished. Now, okay, it's my turn. And he actually goes out of the way mm -hmm. to get water and mm -hmm. drench the sacrifice. Uh, and as we know, the fire came down mm -hmm. um, and consumed and people were able to choose. Like he said, choose this day. Who are you going, you know, to serve? You know, is it going to be Baal or the God of heaven? And that's something that me, myself, and I'm sure even you've come mm. to some point in your life to where some juncture to where it's, I need to make a choice. Right. And I think that God is fair and his, his fairness means that he, he has to reveal himself mm. because the, the, these, these other gods, you know, they don't exist. And and Elijah himself makes that perfectly clear. You know, ask them if, if their God is, is asleep, maybe. Um, God doesn't ask us to follow blindly. Mm -hmm. You know, it would have been one thing if they're calling down, they're trying to call down fire and nothing happens. And then Elijah tries to call down fire and nothing happens. Yes. And then he's like, well, look, you're just going to have to go by faith. Which one do you believe? Yes. But he doesn't. He calls down fire and God says, okay, I'm going to make myself known. I'm going to show that I am the only true God. And yes. then you get to choose. And I love that God is a God of, of his desire is for us to make informed decisions. Definitely. And sometimes I feel like that gets lost where we think, well, how do I know I can trust God? Mm -hmm. Well, God isn't saying, trust me blindly. He's saying, okay, let me show you that you can trust me. That's right. But if you never show up, if you never ask me to be in your life, to be present, if if you're closing your eyes at every opportunity because you want to live a certain way, how am I going to show myself to you? That's right. And I love that here everyone is gathered and God shows up. That's right. He did. And and as you and maybe I will go back a little bit more because we can gloss over, as you mentioned, certain aspects of this story. He has the king. This is like the president, yeah. you know, of a country being there along with his posse or I don't know, just his his advisors and, mm -hmm. and you know, and it's like, wow, he could have been afraid again, just fearful. Look at how many of us become fearful to represent God on our jobs, right. you know, or um, at church. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to step on toes or we're afraid that we're going to be shunned or. But there's a quote that I read and I don't remember where it it was, but it, it mentions about um, how perfect exercises of soul before God leads to perfect calmness before men. Mm. And it's like, wow, in order for him to be so calm and to be able to um, to actually perform the will of God when it needed mm -hmm. to be done, he had to be in the upper room, yeah, yeah. you know, with the Lord. Yes, he wants us to make informed decisions and he will always... The Bible says that he will never surprise mm -hmm. his people. He will always give us what we need mm -hmm. to make that informed decision. And with Elijah, he had been in that upper room. He had the communion, you know, prostrating himself before God, humbling himself before God to where he was able to know, I serve a real God. Mm -hmm. 
And so do whatever you want to do, but my God is going to show up for me today. He's going to show you that he's the real God, mm. um, not Baal. And so, like you mentioned, yes, he wants us to, he gives us the freedom of choice, but he also gives us um, the tools and the information for us to make an intelligent decision so that with that freedom of choice, it's not just blind, right. you know, like, oh, I'm just choosing this guy. Well, where is he? I don't know. Mm. What has he done for you? I don't know. I, I just serve him. I don't know. I don't know. God. That, that was the answer of of Baal's people. Yes. You know, when he was like, where's your God? Oh, he might be busy right now. Yes. <laughs> you know, maybe that's why he's not showing up. He's got other things to do. And that's that's never God's thing. God's exactly. here for his people. Exactly. So um, the fact that, again, with my life, you know, I've looked at, you know, Lord, I have chosen you. Mm. And I'm professing that with my mouth. You know, this th- does this really apply to me? I don't worship any idols. Well, you know, anything that takes time away from God really can be classified as an idol. Anything that's interrupting or sabotaging that relationship. Right. And so this story really caused me to look and say, Lord, am I putting anything before you to where I'm worshiping you? I'm saying that I'm worshiping you. I'm saying that you're the real God or true God. But are my actions a reflection of that belief? Mm. Uh, so. We see here that, you know, after the fire comes down and consumes, that's when God says, okay, I'm sure Elijah actually said this under the the direction of God. The Baal, all of the priests of Baal had to go, Mm. you know. I don't know how we want to say it, up the river or they were slaughtered, right? They were slaughtered. And so I believe that when God, when we make that choice and say, Lord, I am choosing you, Mm -hmm. I'm doing away with my idols or those things that have sabotaged or taken time away from you, we need to kill it. It needs to be Mm -hmm. gone. And be done. Sometimes we just put it on the shelf right. and, and say, I know my my son mentioned something. Um, we were we were talking about cigars. Mm-hmm. And so and he said, you know, um, and actually it's a a, a a friend of ours that, you know, smokes cigars and mm-hmm. and um and he's a Christian and, and everything and 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 you know people make different choices yeah. and our son said well I have to admit it does look a little classy mm-hmm. I said I get what you're saying you know the guy sitting there with his legs crossed mm-hmm. with the suit on and and with the cigar there and he said you know I never would want to smoke them but maybe just a just to buy a pack to have on the shelf and I said but <laughs> but why why even do that well right. I wouldn't want to smoke them but I said you know what you Satan is crafty mm-hmm. and it could be giving him a foothold Mm -hmm. you know to where now they're just sitting on the shelf and then one day you get curious and because they're right there within reach you decide to say well let me just take a puff to see what it's like Mm -hmm. and and again we we undermine what how crafty he can be how insidious he can be um and that's why well, we're told to shun evil right the appearance Mm -hmm. of evil and so i believe that in this story this is why elijah said do away with right. them. You know, we've proven the point. There's no need. They yeah. have made their decision. They're firm in their decision. And I'm sure even in that moment, they could have repented and mm-hmm. said, you know what? We see that the God of heaven is the true God. We repent. But again, when people hear truth, either their hearts can be hardened That's right. or softened, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that it's it's so um, it's, it's so important to make sure that once we make that decision, our actions follow mm-hmm. and we do away with sin. We just put it away, we kill it, get rid of it, yeah. and don't let it sit on the shelf. And that's the language that Scripture constantly uses. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't say, you know, tuck it away or take your sin and, you know, just bury it. We're told to kill it. That's you know, right. That the old man needs to die. Yes. It's not that he needs to be put in another room and maybe one day he'll be useful. The language is severe. And I think it's because God knows, as you said, that if we just put it on the shelf, it's always going to be there. We're always going to, it's it's another way for Satan to, to gain access. Definitely. And that action of looking at the thing that we used to love and maybe the thing that we still love mm. and being like, you know what? I want God more than I want this. 
And so this has to go permanently. Mm-hmm. I remember um, when I got baptized, a number of you know my friends got baptized around the same time. Well, they weren't my friends at the time, but we became friends and we were going through similar experiences. And I remember we went to this uh, kind of convocation mm-hmm. and they were saying, it, I think it was about music. And they were saying, you know, you need to get rid of all of the music that doesn't glorify God. And you're very strong about that. And we were like, oh, hey, cool, cool. <laughs> and so we would go home, we would get all of our CDs um, and things like that and burn them. And we took them outside and we were going to burn them. And it was yes. like, we didn't have to. We could have mm-hmm. just said, oh, I'm not going to listen to that yes. anymore. You know, it's, it'll stay there in the packet or whatever, in the book of CDs, but I'm, I'm never going to listen to it. But no, we took it outside. We burned it. The DVDs went outside. Yes. They burned it. And then, you know, you double check your computer to see if you saved the files. And then those had <laughs> yes. to go. And, and even though I could, I could easily just go back online and buy them all over again, mm. the idea of taking something and doing away with it on a permanent basis makes all the difference definitely we had like you know campouts with the kids and stuff like that at the school and Mm -hmm. sometimes we'll be around a fire and we'll say hey listen like whatever you need to give to the lord give it to him now yes and we'll give them paper and pen and say write down what that thing is and you're going to put it in the fire and that fire is not taking the sin from you Mm -hmm. the fire is not doing anything yes but there's this symbol of we're getting rid of something permanently here and we're not going back that's right and that's that's what when I think when God shows up, because he shows up in the scripture, yes. you know, here and there in, in these dramatic ways, mm-hmm. it is a sense of the decision needs to be made now. God is not showing up so you can take a couple of years to decide whether you want him or not. It's like he's revealed himself so clearly. Are you going to linger? That's right. Are you going to wait? Are you going to start to think about things? Like this is not the time to pray about whether you should or shouldn't do what God just asked you to do. Definitely. What God wants is he wants Minutemen. He wants people that are going to make the decision on the spot. This is what's right. I'm going to do it. And Elijah's that guy. That's right. But then after that, we see a completely different side of him. We see a man, there's no fear. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this holy boldness that few others can lay claim to. And then in chapter 19, he's a wreck. Yes. Yes. You know, it it really reminds me of the times that we turn on the news or you get the alert on your phone that someone famous, you know, an actor, a singer, they've committed suicide. Mm. And everyone is in shock. Like, wait a minute, we just went to see them in a play or, you know, they just conducted this interview and they were so happy. Mm. What happened? Mm. What happened? Um, And it it tells you how quickly life can change Mm. in in a matter of seconds. Your world can be turned upside down. Um, And sometimes I believe that we're not in touch with how full our our cup can become to where there's an old saying you know it was the straw that broke the camel's back you know or that one more drop of water and then it just starts to spill over um and so as you said we see here in in chapter 19 i'll just go ahead and read Mm -hmm. chapter 19 verse 1 it reads and ahab told jezebel all that elijah had done And withal, how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. It's like, wait a minute. You know, you would think that Jezebel would have been humbled in Mm. that moment. But we see how wicked Mm. of a woman she was. As said earlier, when you're presented with truth, either your heart is going to be softened Mm. or hardened. And so we see here that she is more determined than ever. But wouldn't you also think that because of Elijah's experiences, Mm -hmm. that he's just like, he's just killed a lot of guys. Yes. (laughs) You know, they probably didn't go down without a fight. That's right. And now it's just one 
lady, one woman. One lady. She, she's powerful. She has a position. She's threatening. I get that, but yes, you'd almost think, well, it's just it's just one more person alive. That's right. One more. It's almost, excuse me for saying this, it, it almost would have been, and maybe this is why I'm not Elijah, <laughs> but it would have been like, is she talk? Was that to me? Lord, should I take her out too? <laughs> right. You know, like I, I still have my sword on yep. me, you know. But we see in verse three, and when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, um, and left his servant there, told his servant, servant just stay. I, I need to go. Um, and then verse four, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree. And it goes on. You know, it's like, what what changed for him? Mm. You know, what changed for him? And it seems like I would like to hypothesize that in that split moment, mm. when he received the news of that, He forgot that he was a servant that had been used to accomplish miraculous things. Mm -hmm. You know, he forgot the years of of serving the Lord and, and, and all the ways that he had ministered to individuals. And again, the battles that he had won, he forgot what happened at Mount Carmel, as you just mentioned 400, 450 servants dead. And this one lady, you know, how can you, Was it selective amnesia, Elijah? Like, what happened in that moment? But he forgot, um, and he decided to flee. And that brings us to our opening verse was that at the end of verse 4, it says, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. If there's one thing that rubs Elijah the wrong way, it's the spiritual condition of his own people. He knows he's somewhat out on a limb here, but he's sold out for the Lord. His confusion comes from the fact that his people aren't. He cannot understand why they seem to be characterized by this sanctimonious outward show of religiosity, but inside they have nothing. They're no different from anyone else. For them, God performs miracles to get their attention, they take heed, they worship, and then something grand will happen and they'll just forget all about God and what he's done and they'll go off wandering and worshiping idols again. The Hebrew experience is almost defined by the hills and the valleys. And yet, when the going starts to get tough for Elijah, he too forgets God. He sees that He's really not that different from his own people after all. There was a lot still for Elijah to learn and to be revealed in his character. And I believe God is always trying to refine Mm -hmm. and to teach us. And that's why, you know, um, in this story, I emphasize Elijah forgot But praise God that he remembers. God remembers, you know, and he said, "Okay, this boy just needs some sleep and he needs to eat. You know, let me just give him some food. God in that moment could have been furious with Elijah. You know, didn't you just see what I did for you? Didn't fire just come down from heaven? You didn't slay Baal's priest. I did through you. What And you're afraid of this woman, whether it was a man or a woman, whatever have you. Right. You're kidding me right now, Elijah. Seriously, you know what? That's all right. I'm going to be using someone else anyway because I plan to pass on the torch to Elisha. So boop, we're going to move you aside you're and you're out. Yes, you're out. He didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Lord, thank you yes. for looking beyond our faults and seeing our need in that moment. Elijah's physical needs needed to be tended to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's so there's so many aspects or, or ways that we can go with this story in regards to being Elijah, you know, myself. Um, again, we're like modern day Israel, you know, because there's things where I can say God worked out situations for me 
And then something else happened, and I'm like, oh, Lord, no, no, God, you know. And I'm thinking, Lord, I know that you can do it for me or work it out. I just don't feel like going through this again. I just came out of something. I, and maybe that was Elijah. He Maybe he even knew that God could handle it, but he was just exhausted. It's like, not again. You're kidding me right now. Seriously, I'm done, you know. Um And that's how he felt in his humanity. But anyhow, we see that in verse 5, where it says, And as he lay, and I'm in chapter 19, verse 5, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. I guess it stood out to me because some of the indicators of someone who was depressed, Mm. you know, be that they sleep a lot Mm. you know they're they're mentally exhausted and i do want to take a moment that you know sometimes in the church if someone is depressed it's oh you're you're you know are you really a christian are Mm. you you know we start to question their christianity their commitment to god um instead of nurturing them and and so again with elijah let me I, I, let me just put him on a pedestal. He's one of the best of the best, mm. you know, and he fell into a depression. And we need to take God's, I believe, approach here, because as I said, this story can model so much from the Elijah to even God. If we wanted lessons in Christian leadership mm. and seeing how God decided to deal with his servant, yeah. um, like you mentioned, someone being in leadership and power and authority being, you know, we have to ask God, wow, how should I deal with this individual? I'm seeing this and I know the goal of where I'm trying to get them to be. Lord, how do I get them there Um, and not discourage them? And so, and each situation varies, but we see here how God said, let me tend to his physical need. He needs to sleep. Let him sleep, you know, let him sleep. And then, um, He said, arise and eat. He needs to eat. And so food was given. And then we see here that Elijah, he he ate. And then he went right back to sleep again, I believe. It says he did eat and then laid down again. Mm -hmm. This this man is tired. He is. And it says, and the angel of the Lord came again in verse 7, the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Mm -hmm. And I just, oh. The compassion in that. You know, sometimes we just need someone to recognize life is hard for you right now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, I don't need you to tell me to strategize. I don't need to hear all of your solutions right now or or how I could have done better for you to give me constructive criticism, as we like to call it. You know, I don't need to hear that. You know, there's a saying back in the 90s, miss me with all of that. You know, I don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. I just need you to understand. Yeah that I'm tired, you know? And so the angel even says, you know, it's okay. You know, it's too great for you right now. Just eat and sleep. And that just shows the compassion of God, I believe. No doubt Elijah has many of the hallmarks of depression, but there's more than just that. What we witness here in 1 Kings 19 is burnout. He's tired. He's lonely. He's losing his grip, not only on his calling, but on the one who called him and he's human. We think of these prophets as more than that, but they were just like us. Faulty, frail sometimes, discouraged a lot of times and more than needing a rebuke or even a pep talk. Sometimes we just need to rest. Speaking of rest, we're going to take a quick break here for the ads and we'll be right back. I'm Dean Cullinane and you're listening to why they did that. When word got out that Jezebel was on his tail, Elijah literally ran for the hills. Now that might not have seemed like the right thing to do then, but a time is coming when we might all have to do that. With the seemingly impending economic collapse, all sorts of nonsense being put into and taken out of our food, you might be thinking that the time is coming for you to run to the hills too. But then where do you start? How do you buy land? How do you plant food properly? Is it really possible to live off the grid and yet maintain a sense of mission to the lost? 
Well, the answer to those questions might have just come and not from the place that you were most expecting. Doug Batchelor, president of Amazing Facts, has just finished writing Heading to the Hills, a beginner's guide to country living. And it's available for you to purchase right now. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, you can click on the affiliate link in our show notes and we'll get a little cut of the profits. After all, we've got to start putting some money aside for when we have to build our podcast studio out in the mountains somewhere. Maybe we'll see you there with Pastor Doug. Check out Heading to the Hills, a beginner's guide to country living now. Figuring out where to go to school for college can be a challenge. You want a quality education, but you also want it to be God-centered. You want to make good friends, but you probably also want to avoid negative influences. You'd like a university that isn't so big you'll get lost, but isn't so small that you're there by yourself. Then maybe Weimar University is for you. Located at the foothills of the Sierra Mountains, Weimar offers some fantastic associate, bachelor, and even master degree level programs that are all grounded in the Word of God. As they like to put it, they are uncompromisingly scientific and unapologetically biblical. If that sounds like something you're interested in, or more importantly, something that God is calling you to, visit weimar.edu. God understands the human condition. He understands we're weak. I mean, we're made from dust. Even Christ as a man struggled within his humanity. Gethsemane testifies to that. The beauty in it all is that God comes through for Elijah just as much in his valley experience as he did in his hilltop experience. God is no less real when he is ministering to the weak man than when he is causing fire to rain down from heaven in a battle of the gods. He was near Elijah now, perhaps even more than in the valley. And he knows Elijah. He knows what he needs. He needs food. He needs rest. He needs a little space. Don't we all sometimes? I'm sure my husband would have appreciated this sooner. Whenever something would happen or would go wrong and, babe, what's wrong? Uh, I'm fine. I'll be fine. But babe, I can tell something's off. I, I know you, you know, like I've, we're, we're high school sweethearts. So we've been together for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, I, I know you, babe, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I just don't want to talk about it. No, you need to purge. You know, and my, my counseling back, background is kicking. You need to purge. You know, let's talk about this thing. But actually, if anyone knows something about a good counselor, mm-hmm. it's not always about talking. It's about knowing when to be quiet. You know, and let silence do what it does best. There's a lot that happens in silence, you know. So um, I'm seeing it. And it's funny back then. And and that's something that over the years I've learned to to Mm -hmm. back off. Let him have his his space and he'll come around. He'll talk when he's ready, but let him process. And that's something that I've we've learned with our teenage son. You know, we'll see that he's agonizing over something and you're just wanting to go in there and just fix it and just, you know, just tell me, honey, just tell me. And he's like, mom, I'm fine. Give him space. Back up. If he's safe, you see that he's safe. He's not in any, just let him be. And I feel like God just let Elijah breathe. Mm-hmm. Let him process. He was still there the whole time, right. you know, protecting him in the wilderness. Um, but he just let him be for a little bit. And then after 40 days, we see God saying, OK, enough. You've had, I've, I've fed you. I've let you sleep. I've let you kind of walk around in the desert, mosey around. Now I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Right. What are you doing here? And then it's it's interesting because Elijah comes with this answer about how, you know, he was jealous for the Lord and for the children of Israel because they forsaken the covenant and all of these different things. But I guess even when I saw that, I said, what was he doing? What was his plan? Mm -hmm. You know, like, why wasn't he back in Israel? I think that's what God is saying. You're a prophet. You're my prophet. 
you know your work is back there, you know, why are you out here, Elijah? What is your plan? I think also that what, what stands out for me now I'm reading this is God's method worked. Like he wanted Elijah to open up. He, he recognizes that he's going through some stuff. He doesn't, when Elijah runs for the hills at the beginning of the chapter, he doesn't run after him and be like, hey, where are you going? Like, what are you doing here? He does ask that question, but he asks it later. Mm. Once the, the relationship has been restored, once Elijah has allowed God to minister to him and spend time with him and, and as you said, given him that space to breathe, now when God comes to him and say, hey, what are you doing? It no longer seems like a threat. Yes. You, you get to almost refocus again and, and like, okay, remember who God is. Yes. Because when, when he's running from Jezebel, if God shows up at that moment, God almost just looks like another Jezebel. Mm. It almost looks like God is now chasing Elijah down like, hey, why are you being unfaithful? All of wow. Wow. But he's like, let me minister to you. Mercy. And then I'm going to, then we can talk. Yes. And I love when, when God asks questions. Yes. Because God knows the answers. <laughs> and, and so when he's asking the questions, he's just asking it for us. He knows why Elijah's here. That's right. But does Elijah know why Elijah's here? Yes. And Elijah opens up. He, he, he tells him what he would not have said if God had asked him at the beginning of the chapter. Mm. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. because I'm the only one. Yes. You know, it's because no one else is out here doing all of these things. And I'm, I'm tired. Not only am I tired, but I'm lonely. Yes. And sometimes I feel like you're not here for me. Mm. And he's just, he's, he's honest and he's upfront. And that's when now God kicks into action. Yes. And goes, like, okay, you're being real with me. Yeah. I'm going to be real with you now. Yes. I'm going to show you where I am. I'm going to show you what I've been doing. And you start to see this relationship reform. That's right. Where God is like, I'm not just going to tell you to go back out there and do what I told you to do in the beginning. I'm going to go with you and you're going to know me in a way that you didn't know me before. Exactly. <laughs> I think of all these examples, like when you're talking, it makes me think of like when someone says it's time, like a married couple, to rekindle mm -hmm. our relationship. Right. You know, like, let me show you that I am that caring wife or yeah. that husband. I am that caring husband. Let me, you know what, hon, I used to open up your door all the time. I haven't done that in years. Let me do that again. Or, mm -hmm. or other little acts of kindness or just revealing, um, again, those attributes that that uh, kindled love in the beginning, yeah, yeah. you know? And so it's something that you mentioned. It just made me think about, again, it's a relationship. Yeah. It's and, a and relationship. It, and it makes yeah. it easier to accept those things. Mm -hmm. You know, when if you, if you follow through with this method, because, you know, as you said, within marriage, there's times where you just want to pull them up and be like, what's your deal? <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why are you being like this all of a sudden? Yes. Or why, or why, have, you, why, is, why have these affections waned why aren't things the way they used to be and you can go in there and, and you know maybe even within your right yeah just be like what's up yes like, where are you here mm -hmm. or you can approach him like you know what? i'm going to minister to this person yes like what in what way can i show that i care for them can i show that i love them yes because when they see that then maybe we can sit down on the couch and be like hey i've noticed that something's up Wow, I'm going to let me stop you, <laughs> Dean. You said, you know what? You said, let me minister. I hope anyone that's married out there, Dean, I think this is another conversation <laughs> about not just looking at making dinner or that hug or that kiss or whatever um, um, actions of affection that one mm. may exhibit to their spouse, to look at it as it's ministry. Right. Like you're ministering to that person's heart, their soul, their, mm. you know, I think that's just, that's loaded right yeah. there, what you mentioned in a way. I think that's an idea for another episode. Another episode coming yeah, soon. Yeah, another episode. <laughs> wow. But that is so true. And something else that you mentioned when Elijah said, wait, feeling like he's the only one left. And I know that there's times I call it, I'm getting off on uh, into the New Testament now, I call it the Martha syndrome. Mm. You know, when Christ said, Martha, Martha, like you're worried about a lot of things. Mm. You're doing a lot, but you're not taking care of the most important right, right. now. And sometimes, and I'm, I'm sure men um, can feel this as well, or husbands as well, but I'm a mother. So let me appeal to all the mothers. You feel like, 
I grew up hearing from my mother, a woman's work is never done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like there's always something to do. There's always something to do to serve not only your family, but if you hold a position in church or if you have a job, you feel like your job is never done and you're taking on so much to where you forget the most important thing. You know, and that's communion with God. Mm -hmm. It was the communion with God that enabled him to do all the things that was done in the first place. It's almost like God had him on a tightrope, like on these great heights. And God is saying, listen, I need you to keep looking up. Don't look down, (laughs) because if you look down, you're going to be like, whoa, like, how did I get up here? I can't. And you're going to fall, you know. But God is saying, I've brought you up here. Keep looking up and I've got you. You're not the only one. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not asking you to bear the load that my son did. Mm -hmm. You can never do that. Mm -hmm. You know, as a servant greater than his master, you could never do that. So stop acting like that's what I'm asking of you. You know, you're not the only one, Elijah. But I don't think God could say that right then. It was like, wait a minute, because this is how he feels, because it's what he knows Mm -hmm. to be. You know, later on, we see that there were, um, it says 7,000 in Israel that probably Elijah didn't even know about Mm -hmm. that had not um, worshipped. Yeah, Yeah. about the need to bell. But I love these manifestations here because, and like you said, he ministered to him and said, okay, let me, let me open the car door for you. Let me, (laughs) let me show you some things, you know? And he says here, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break into pieces. And we we see this earthquake. And then after the earthquake of fire in verse 12, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? I feel like in that moment, God said, I I need to show you some things. You forgot. You've forgotten. And it's okay. You're human. But I'm going to help you remember who I am. You've forgotten who I am. You know? And we see it again here. Let me show you. Let me allow you to feel my power. But then I'm going to bring it down and speak to you in a still, small voice. And that's when it said Elijah, I mean, I believe it just humbled him Yeah. to where it says that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. I believe that it is so important for us to recognize even when God moves, mm-hmm. you know, when he's speaking to us, we can be so distraught. And, and distracted in life to where, Lord, where are you? I'm here. Mm. You're not taking the time to listen, right. to be still and know that I am God. And then he presents the question again. And I think that when when God takes Elijah and he, he doesn't just speak to him, he first shows him where he isn't. Mm. You know, he says, you know, there's an earthquake, but I'm not in the earthquake. And there's a fire, but I'm not in the fire and a great wind, but I'm not in, in those things. And I almost feel like God is doing that to Elijah. Because Elijah is, Elijah is used to seeing God in those things. Yes. Like he just saw God in the fire. Yes. Just in, just the chapter prior. And sometimes we can, we can, um, our relationship with God can become so dependent on the earthquakes mm. and the fires Mercy. and the winds. Wow. And we get so used to just thinking, well, here's a here's a horrible situation or here's here's absolute chaos and and you know, I'm only going to find God in chaos, but it's like no, God doesn't dwell in chaos. Mm. God can reveal himself in chaos. Yes. But God dwells in the small voice. God dwells in the relationship because the fire is not a relationship. The fire is that spiritual event that you went to to get ignited. Or, you know, God is not the earthquake. He mm. was just present there to to hold you and to stop everything from falling out. Mm-hmm. God is in the everyday yes. aspect. The fire mm. isn't everyday. The earthquake isn't everyday. These are just events. And we can get so focused on our relationship with God being dependent on those great events. Mm-hmm. When God is saying, walk with me, mm. like 
Let's talk. Amen. Listen to my voice. I I listen to your voice. Listen to my voice. Yes. That's where God is found. Yes. And I think it's so important because that's that's why we have the word. God has given us the word to talk to us. Mm-hmm. And if we're not in the word and we're not reading the word, we're not going to know what God wants. That's we're not right. going to know what his will is for us. It's not enough to just, you know, oh, I I went there and gave my life to the Lord and, you know, it's like but are you listening to the still small voice every day? Yes. That's the relationship. That's where you find God. Amen. Amen. That it's part of well, there's two different explanations, but mm-hmm. our son as you know, his name is Reason. Mm-hmm. And uh my my husband wanted him to always know that he was put on this earth for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh for me, it was yes. I want him to always think logically, you know, to think things through, critical thinking, right? <laughs> yes. But that's why I named him Isaiah for his middle name because of Isaiah one eighteen. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. That means that this is the God of the universe mm-hmm. saying that I want to have this two way relationship to where. I just don't command and talk to you, but you talk to me too. Mm-hmm. It's 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 going back and forth. Let us reason together so that I can, you know, cleanse you and make you white as snow. And that is just so amazing. Yeah. Like you said, it's like he really wants to commune with us mm-hmm. and have this relationship with us. Um, and he takes the time to hear how we feel. Lord, I'm tired. You know, in this moment, I'm tired and I'm beat down and I'm the only one. And God is like, I know it's OK. They're there. You know, they're there. It's like patting us. And it's not in sarcasm either. It's, right. you know, I he's in touch with our affirmities. That's why he sent his mm-hmm. son. Right. He knows what that feels like. And so he wants to reason with us. He definitely. And that's why, like you said, he's answering. And that's another um trait of a good counselor. They know when to be quiet, but they they ask those questions mm-hmm. that makes a person think because they pretty much already know in some cases, but it's like, I need you to recognize and know the issue. And and God is good at that, boy. I mean, he's good at just asking those questions. And after he reveals himself to Elijah, here he is asking the same thing. Okay, now that I revealed myself, and I've manifested, you know, myself in these different ways. I'm going to ask you again, what doest thou here? What are you doing? You know, and Elijah gives the same answer mm-hmm. as before. But at this point, dare I say, I believe he's saying the same thing, but the mentality behind mm-hmm. it is different, you know, because it's like, wow, like I've. I've come out here to represent you and and I was the only one but it's like whoa but like wow, you're God you probably you really do have this in control you know lord forgive me for forgetting mm. sometimes with my children you know especially my daughter more so Sometimes my son, but I'll throw my daughter under the bus on this one. You know, I forgot. Like, it's no big deal. I just forgot. And it's, no, but it is. It is a big deal. Like, we shouldn't be comfortable with forgetting. We shouldn't be comfortable with forgetting who God is mm-hmm. and what he can do for us. You know, I believe that the, the the little things in life sometimes can spill over into the other things, the spiritual things, right. you know. And it's like, wow, Lord, you really do have this thing in control. You know, you really do know what you're doing. Oh, what is man that thou art mindful of mm-hmm. me to where, you know, you are the author and the finisher of my faith. You're not going to allow me to fail here, right. you know? And so we see that here and God says to him, okay, I believe that there was probably a change of heart and spirit, you mm-hmm. know, with Elijah. And God has said, all right, Now he's ready to receive instruction. Now I can teach him what I want him to learn. Because before, if I had probably given him this information, he, he wouldn't have really received it, you know? And so God always has a plan. He never forgets the goal. We do. But God always remembers. He remembered Elijah's heart and how he was so passionate about wanting Israel to serve him. He remembered those days, the things that, the times where, let's say, Elijah had prostrated and humbled himself. God remembered all of that. Mm -hmm. And he said, I know who Elijah Elijah is. 
and I know what I can do through him. I know the goal. I'm going to look beyond his fault, and I'm going to see his need, minister to that, and then take him to the next level. And as we know, the end of Elijah's story is he, he, he's not buried. You know, God decided to send that chariot and take him to heaven. You know, he saw that. Yeah. Something. That's that is crazy. amazing. It's like God, when he's saying, God, let me die. Mm. God is like, oh, you brother, no you just have no idea. You know. Imagine that. We start off with Elijah suicidal. Take my life, Lord. I don't want to live anymore. And God is there thinking, take your life. Brother, you are never going to die ever. God is good. And that good, good God is there for us just as much as he was there for Elijah. And not just when things are going great. He's there for us in the pits. He's there for us in our depression. He's there for us in our misunderstandings. He's there for us when we lose all hope and fall. Friends, while we were yet sinners, not while we were righteous, while we were preaching or while we were performing miracles, not even while we were at our most faithful for him and apparently have done everything right, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. One of the hardest things that I had to go through was when I got COVID, thinking, oh, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to bounce back. You know, I'm, I'm relatively healthy. I'm not going home and eating a lot of junk food. And, you know, I'm relatively good to my body. And, you know, I'll be just fine. And, you know, you hear about COVID and you know that it's taking lives and things of that nature. But for whatever reason, I don't know if one can feel invincible or, mm. you know, like, okay, wow, I'm down bad, you know, and I was, but then after about three days, it's four days. Okay. I'm feeling okay. You know what? Let's just get back to work. You know, I'm going to be just fine. Went, you know, down like immediately. And it's like, okay, maybe this isn't like the common cold, not saying that it is, that it was, but you know, when your body starts to recuperate, you start feeling well, you're an adult, you have obligations, responsibilities, people are depending on you. You're just thinking about, okay, let me just get back to it. All right. I'm not feeling as bad as the other day. I must be okay. You know, mm. um, and not paying attention to those signs. So fast forward, you know, the job that I was working at the time I was teaching and I, ended up having to take time off, you know, to get better. But then that went into, um, it actually spiraled into long COVID, right? I didn't even know that long haulers, you know, existed. Mm -hmm. And later on, I did a lot of research and learned that people with long haulers, they were dying, mm -hmm. you know, to where they're testing negative for COVID. But, you know, eight months out, 10 months out, 12 months, they are dying from long haulers mm -hmm. because of the toll that is taken on organs and things of that nature. And so I'm thinking like, wow, this is a bigger beast than I, I really thought. You know, mm -hmm. I just wanted, especially when you're around people who have COVID, who have had COVID and, and they bounce back and it's like, well, I want to bounce back too, you right. know, Lord. And, and many of them will be unhealthier than you were. At the yeah, time. Yes, you know. And so it, it was humbling for me. It was humbling and and uh, to the point to where I'm thinking, Lord, why aren't you healing me? You know, I have things to do. Like my job is ministry. People are depending on me. Like not only that, goodness, I'm letting myself down at this point. I feel like a loser. Like what is going on? You know, there's things for me to do. And I remember there were times after, uh, so first I... Um, came down with it. It was around the end of August and it was battling. And then that second time when it came, that was in the end, about the end of January. And before I, I caught it the second time, I was already um, really battling because I'm an asthmatic and, and things of that nature. And I had never felt like death. Mm. Like there's, there's times where I used to say when I was younger and even a little older, younger, meaning a, a child, 
and a teenager and you see, you know, people die and and you're thinking like, why didn't they just fight? Like, mm. why didn't, didn't they want to live? Right. You know, people are crying, family members are crying around them and don't you want to live? Like, just pull through. And it was the first time that I actually understood, I, I get why people give up. I get why they just say, they just die. And it's not because they're depressed or anything like that, or they don't want, your body gets so weak and so tired to where you just can't anymore. And I remember one time being so thirsty, like I was parched. And we have a water cooler in our in our home. And and um and it was maybe about six feet away. And I just remember looking over at the water cooler and being like, I'm so thirsty. And I was just looking at it and I was thinking, I can't. Like I can't even get up to do that because it was I have obligations later on and I need to go and serve these young ladies who I was ministering to. And I was like, I need to, in my mind, I'm thinking, those steps that I'm taking to that water cooler, I need that just to get to the door. I felt like God said to me, stop. You know, you are trying to bear a burden that I didn't intend for you to bear. You're acting like there's not someone else that can take your place. You know, but but God, you know, I have obligations. I'm I'm not one of those people that flake out on my work. You know, I do this, I do this, I need to do this for my family. I need you to heal me now. I, I want you to heal me now. God, seriously, heal me now. Because right now I'm looking really weak and I don't like that look, you know? And I felt like God was saying, No, I'm not. Because for whatever reason, you're you're thinking that you're you're Jesus Christ, I guess incarnate, and that you're supposed to save the world, and no one told you to do that. I need you to chill for a moment and recognize that I'm God, and I'm doing what's best for you, and I need you to stop. I was able to see. God move uh, because of me needing to step back and resign a few things transpired um, and in the midst of that God was able to make beauty for ashes to where I was just like Lord is this what you really needed me to see you know how you can just work God revealed so much um, to where I'm like Lord, you have people in place. I'm not the only one, you know, and you have a plan. And what he has done in my life since then, I'm not saying that my life is perfect now. And I'm not saying that I've reached the mountaintop, you know, but at the same time, I'm still here. I'm still climbing. I'm still I have surrendered myself to the will of God to say, Lord, I know that you have a plan. Thank you. You called me out of something because you needed me to rest and to see some things. You know, you showed me the compassion that I needed to be shown and even used other people to show that to where places I wasn't even expecting it. I'm even thinking like, why are you being so nice to me? <laughs> you know, being like, you don't have to be. It's okay. Like, I don't need anyone's help. That's another thing. I don't need anyone's help. I'm fine. You know, and God is saying, no, no, let me minister to you for a moment. And then he started to reveal a plan to me that I've been able to do. It has been such a blessing, you know, with the work that I do now and the children that I see now. And I'm thinking, I never would have met you. You know, I never would have been able to, you know, with the work that I do now, it's just one time I told the students, because we're talking about, you know, we were talking about mental health, and that's what I do. I teach mental health. And these were two younger students. And I said to them, I want you to paint something that makes you happy. Mm. You know, when you're sad, I want you to paint something that, you know, that represents happiness for you, whether it's a person, whether it's a thing, whatever it may be. And it's funny because one student decided to paint candy, <laughs> Skittles, <laughs> you know. But another one, I went over to them and I said, oh, and they said, Miss K, that's what they called me, you make me happy. And they were actually drawing, you know, my, my business, you know, what I do. And I was just like, wow. Like, and I'm thinking, 
I did not tell her to do that, you know, and this other little boy. But it's like, wow, Lord, you you allowed me to be removed from one, you know, mm-hmm. an environment or, or situation, but you planted me somewhere else. And it's like I'm you're using me to bring so much joy to these little children. Like, I'm not even worthy of that. I don't even know why when I walk in, it's Miss K, Miss K. And I'm thinking, I'm really not all that special. Like, I'm not. But I'm like, Lord, it's you. That's your spirit because I'm not. I feel like there's no good that I can do. Any good that I do is because of God, because I know Calandra. You know, I, I know the, the the flesh that can rise up. And it's like, Lord, I'm trying to be vegan spiritually. No flesh in me. You know, just plant-based. You know, just the spirit of the living God. I don't have to be ashamed of being down. I don't have to be ashamed of even there's times that things happen in life to where you feel angry. God understands that. But what do you do with that anger? Do you hold on to it and become bitter and resentful? Or do you say, Lord, this is how I feel. I'm giving it to you. Right. Do you forget him in those moments? Yes. Do you forget him? Often we do. But I praise God that he remembers. He remembers who we are and his plans for us. You know, that he speaks about in Jeremiah. He has plans for us. And now through these trials, I believe it's God giving us that ex- the exercises that we need of faith so that we start forgetting less and remembering more. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you've just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or hearken back to a previous episode, you can find us now at wtdtpodcast.com. If you've been moved by this ministry through this episode or others, and you'd like to support us financially, you can become a patron. And if you do, you'll get early access to our episodes, discounts on our store, and access to our other podcasts a 40-day devotional podcast designed to kickstart your walk with God. We're calling it WTDT40. If this sounds like something you're interested in, or you just want to support in general, visit patreon.com forward slash WTDT to find out more. As always, please do subscribe, leave us a review, and follow our social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok too. We'll see you on the next episode. Once again... I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That.